Thanks, y'all. Um, so, uh, I don't have like a smooth transition from that announcement right into this. So, again, third week, uh, it's joy. Um, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of joy. Uh, there's lots of different ways that you can um, operate in this idea of joy. There is um, a liturgical theme that happens on the third week of Advent that the entire globe that participates in the liturgical calendar is doing right now. And so, our expectation is meant to be rising. There's tension in it, there's anticipation in it, there's expectation, all of these things wrapped up in the idea that Jesus' birth is about to be celebrated in its fullness on Christmas Eve when we do that together. You can't talk about joy without talking about celebration. You can't do it without um, thinking through the spontaneous, eruptive celebration that can take place whenever you figure out some good news. And so to frame our message today, I just want you to think of two things, that joy comes as celebration and joy often comes as a posture of life as a celebration and as a posture of life. Now, before we get to any of this, I wanna invite you into a quick little exercise that's gonna cause you to stand up. It's gonna require some participation. Stand up with me, stand up. I found this um, online while looking for something else and have been waiting for a moment to put this before our church. It's gonna ask you to move your body, nothing wild, don't, don't get crazy, this is a warm up, all right? So don't, don't, get, don't get too um, anxious. Um, but what I want you to do is to allow inside of this video, this, this young lady is going to walk us through pointing to, thinking about, and using our bodies as a liturgical process for preparing our hearts, our minds, and souls for encountering whatever it is God might have us encounter through his word. So take a look, at, it's, it's a, I, t I cut it out of a bigger video, but I think you'll catch it all well. ...into a reflective posture prayer with me. And that just means we'll use our bodies to also communicate to God what we're saying with our words. If you're comfortable, give it a try. If not, you can just close your eyes and walk through the steps in your mind. Start by placing a hand on your forehead. Can you turn the Christmas music off? Today, God, teach me the wisdom of your upside-down kingdom, the principles, perspective. <laughs> Can we we just restart it? Someone's getting down up there, though. That those vocals were intense. Uh, but that I'm wasn't part of the video. Here we go. A reflective posture prayer with me, and that just means we'll use our bodies to also communicate to God what we are saying with our words. If you're comfortable, give it a try. If not, you can just close your eyes and walk through the steps in your mind. Start by placing a hand on your forehead. I open my mind today, God. Teach me the wisdom of your upside down kingdom, the principles, perspective, and priorities of a God who would lay down his life for love. I open my mind to you. Place hands on your temples near your eyes. I open my eyes, Jesus. Eager to see you in the spaces around me, both visible and invisible. Don't let me miss you today. I open my eyes to you. Place hands on your ears. I open my ears, Lord. 
Help me to hear your still, small voice. Help me to quiet the noise that drowns you out, both external noise and internal. Help me to hear what really matters. I open my ears to you. Now open your arms wide, as if to gather up something large. <laughs> I open my arms. Would you fill them with those who you want loved today? May my arms be an extension of yours to those who need them most. I open my arms to you. Now place a hand over your heart. I open my heart. Would you heal what still sits broken in here? Forgive me for bleeding all over those who didn't cut me. Give me courage to forgive the ones who did, the ones who will. I open my heart to you. Now place your hands on your stomach or wherever you think of as your gut. I open my spirit. I gladly enter into the place of mystery. Would you move in me with grace and power, enabling me to walk by a way I've not yet known? I open my spirit to yours. Now hold both hands open, either on your lap or just low at your side. I open my whole life to you today, my Lord and my God. May I hold nothing back. May I close nothing off. May I never be the same from this moment forward. Again and again and again. Doing us the work that only you can do, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Isn't that beautiful? Would you have a seat? And the reason I want us to do this is I think we're not used to often using our bodies. And it's like using the body as a liturgical format to help open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears, our gut, our courage, our souls, and our arms to the embrace of who Jesus is, is that when we enter into this idea of a joyful response, it's like we're warming ourselves up to something that we naturally do in all kinds of other areas, right? at least in the form of celebration, it often comes as this response to something that happens that's good, right? You celebrate a win. You've heard this before. You, 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 you celebrate a good performance. It's spontaneous and you have a new promotion and you erupt with gladness, a gift that you've been wanting and you maybe have a visceral reaction to it. We um, said in the men's ministry a few weeks ago, um, one of my sons is super, super excited slash obsessed with basketball. Some of you know who I'm talking about. He's out there shooting hoops. He was excited. Every day we were waiting for these basketball hoops to get in. He also decided to save up his money, even though he's the one that tends to spend it quick, to buy a papa shot. You know what a papa shot is, right? You got the hoop on the left and the hoop on the right. And we're like, this is never going to happen. It's giant, and you're never going to be able to do Like, are you actually going to save up for this thing? It's definitely more expensive than anything you saved up for. And then it went on sale. <laughs> And he had money to get it immediately, what he had been saving. It went 50% off on sale. 
So you could see the joy in this kid's eyes as we were building this Goliath ridiculous thing inside of his room. It reaches to the ceiling. I have to move it away from uh, the fan so that it doesn't knock into stuff. And he has been playing it ever since. There was this type of res- <laughs> responsive joy in him that he couldn't help. I was taking pictures of his face. I didn't have a chance to send him in for today because I wanted you to see we all get there when we've been waiting for something and we finally get it. Your face lights up. You shout, you cheer, your body responds by throwing your hands up in the air. Like you, you just do these things. You send high fives to people around you that are in on it with you. You have the incredible popular, let's go. Anyone heard that? Anyone said it? It's stated a few times in my household, especially during football games. The Bible has words for this, and this isn't going to be up on the screen, but again, we used this verse in the men's ministry a few weeks ago or a week ago. The verse says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, (coughs) all you who are upright in heart. And this is what I want you to see is that we read that verse and we read it in English and it's fine in English, but you don't actually get the full nuance of it. Remember we've talked about in Hebrew how there's like 35 words that we just say worship or praise or rejoice. And what I want you to hear is when it says be glad, it means have a happy disposition, like when someone's kind of glowing, right? In the Lord and rejoice, that Hebrew word is gil, and it literally means to spin around and dance. Spin around and dance. You righteous and shout for joy, that word is reigning, all you who are upright in heart, and it is mostly akin to a squealing screech sound. Now, have you seen somebody who's so happy, they jump around, they spin around, they, they squeal in joy? You've seen it before. You've seen it in plenty of situations, in all of the situations we've named, and I want you to know that the Bible has words and room for that. They know how to get down. They know how to celebrate. They know how to rejoice. And it was spontaneous at times. We've all had those spontaneous moments. And we do it without ever having been taught with any kind of intentional. Did anyone say, hey, I need you to sign up for Rejoicing 101? Never. You just do it. You pick it up as you see other people do it. When you see them get excited about things that they're excited about, and it just happens. It's something that's in us, and often this is depicted as happiness versus joy. Have you heard that sermon before, that happiness is one thing, but joy is a totally different thing? That's fair enough, but what I want you to see is that actually joy can have happiness as a response, celebration as a response. It's just one and not the only definition of joy. So happiness and all that can fit under it, but there is something deeper too. There's something that we see, and this is what it talks about in Luke 2, 8 through 15. Let's go ahead and put it up on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to it, Luke 2, 8 through 15, and it says this. And the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel, remember that word means messenger, A messenger of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now remember, these messengers are more like the the human-like figures. You can actually encounter them, the scripture says, without even realizing it. 
But what we see in here is that the glory of the Lord is so overwhelming, is shining. It's like we have light involved. There's something about the stature of this angel that the the glory of God is actually peeking through, not in the fullness, but enough that it's overwhelming and the people are afraid. They're terrified is what it says. But verse 10 says, but the messenger, the angel said to them, what do angels like to say when they appear and people are scared? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great what? Joy. Great joy for all people. Now, it's funny. We were talking about this in the preaching collective, and it's like, man, you better have better news than you because you're terrifying, right? Like, your presence is scary, so that doesn't seem to be good news. That seems to be scary news. But then he's like, oh, hold up, hold up. I got good news. I'm not the bad messenger. I'm a good messenger. I got good stuff that I get to tell you. So there's lots of things that could be considered good news to these guys. They're out on this side of this field, they're, they're tending their sheep. It could be, hey, man, here's a new tool to help make your job easier on you. Here's a coat in the cold. Here's a tree or some food, something, anything could be considered good news that adds to whatever it is that they're involved in at the moment. And we see in this scripture that it will cause great joy. And I love, I looked that up just to, because I don't, I don't know why. I looked it up in Greek because um, I was kind of looking up what the different words for joy meant, and I come across this. The word great here in Greek is mega. Man, I don't use mega for a lot of things, but when I do, it means it's like a really big deal, all right? So it will bring mega joy, right? So what kind of news could be mega joyful? And the messenger gets more specific, starts ticking off all these markers, again, that these shepherds would at least be somewhat familiar. They're not super educated, but they get brought up in a culture that uses the Hebrew scriptures as its entertainment, as its evening television, its Netflix series. And this is what he says. Today in the town of David, already familiar, a savior has been born to you. They know there's a prophecy connected to that. Oh, 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 that's the good news he's talking about. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That word means anointed leader. Again, he's pointing to prophecy. Oh, 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 he really is talking about that, that good news. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Once again, he's like, oh, that good news. And I, I want to remind you that in this time, the Romans and the Greeks had their own good news. The Pax Ramona, they would come in with the king. Before the king would arrive and say, the king comes with great news. And he would tell them all of the technological advances healthcare, air conditioning was one of them, aqueducts possibly, roads, all of these different things were the good news that I would proclaim. And he's saying, no, no, this is the Messiah, the one, and he has his own proclamation of goodness. Verse 13 says, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I want to read that again. Glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see what thing has happened which the Lord has told us about. Now, the first one was a human-like person, at least appearing human. He's a messenger. He was scary. When the heavens and the sky tears open, 
and you see the unseen realm of heaven peeking through, and I'm not gonna show you, I got so many emails and texts about how scary that video was that I showed you all about what angels really look like, but I want you to remember giant eyeball things that are on fire with multiple wings and eyeballs on the wings. In our world, we call that monsters. A myriad of them. This, this is, hear the words being used. Heavenly hosts, a company. This is military language. A company of heavenly hosts appeared. We've got a lot of these things up in the sky, and they are loud. They are mega rejoicing because the mega news has been delivered loud, excited. Angels don't always act like this, but right here they do. And it kind of reminds us of that Isaiah verse where he's around the throne, and there's multiple, almost monstrosity-type figures singing out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, and the banisters shake, and Isaiah falls to the ground. He says, I am undone. Well, maybe it's because angels are always kind of scary when you encounter them. Maybe it's because they've been in the know. Maybe the, these angels have been waiting to proclaim this. They've known all along, man, this news is great. You can't, your small human minds can't even comprehend it. I'm an angel and I barely get it. So when the heavens rip open and we finally get to reveal to you the thing that has been hidden for centuries, that God himself is going to come in flesh, wrap himself up, I think I might be a little bit excited too. You feel that a little bit if you're a parent and you give a gift to your kids and you're watching them open it and oh, they get to get excited that they see it. Maybe you gave a gift to a friend or a roommate or someone else that you loved. At some point, you got the moment where you got to see the gift revealed. And this, this isn't their gift. They're just bystanders. And they mega rejoice. The joy proclaimed by the messenger is more than just celebration. But they celebrate. They definitely celebrate. But there's this other kind of joy that I want us to focus in on as we close out. And I'm going to call it a posture of joy. It's a cultivated posture. It reaches deep into the soul and it anchors us to something more than just the light, temporary highs and lows of the earth and our experiences here. So you ask, like, well, how does it anchor us? Well, it's this cultivated joy and it focuses on God, the eternal nature of the gospel, that it never ends. It's not going to happen for a moment and then end. It is eternal. And it focuses in on the weight of God's glory that overwhelms all other glories, whether those things be good or bad. Whether they be good seasons or bad seasons. And the best way I, I have to explain this is I've tried to say, like, you have good things happen in your life and you have bad things. And if I were to say, hey, uh, Jackson, I have $100. I'm calling you out right now. You can be mad at me later, though. Go, feel free to do that. If I put a, 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 and I said, all you have to do is get here and reach this $100 and it's yours. There's, it'd be, it's a little awkward. We're in the middle of the service. You'd probably get up and come get it, right? If I said, there is a million dollars out there in my car, all of a sudden, this $100 bill just becomes trash. It's just worthless paper. You might come for it, but in light of a million dollars? I mean, Jackson's running out that direction. Do you understand? 
He's not going to come up. Maybe he's real smart. He's going to snatch this up and go out that way. I don't know. He could be strategic about it. But in the end, you get the comparison. The $100, as valuable as it could be in light of a greater, larger, immense number, is nothing to us. And so part of this, and this is what C.S. Lewis was trying to write in his Weight of Glory uh, uh, sermon-turned book, is that we suffer from an acute lack of awareness of the power, greatness, and glory of God. And if we actually could internalize it, it would change everything about who we are. We don't just accidentally know this. And that's kind of why this posture is different, because it's not something you do spontaneously like celebration. The full gravity of the gospel is something that we have to wrap our minds around, it, it, peel away other things that we've attached ourselves to, and so that we can go after it. And first, we have to understand the natural state is that we tend to just float around in the whims of temporary happiness, and we even use it as a coping mechanism to get through the seasons and shifts of life. Okay, so here, here is what I used to do as a kid. If you know me, and you've heard me probably say this um, you know, privately, but I don't know that I've ever brought it up here. I love movies, and as a kid, it would be one of those things that I would love to do, and I was, there was a sequel to a movie. I, to this day, I don't remember what it was, um, but, but it was one we had been waiting for, right? Something awesome, something great, and there's finally a number two, and it's coming out this Christmas, and so high school Eric is excited. In fact, man, I got to get through this homework situation. I got to get through an entire day of class. But it's okay because once I get done to it, I'm going to be able to go watch that movie. Oh, man, there's a whole week left and we got finals, whatever it might be. But it's okay. I can get through this because at the end of it, I know I get to just jump in my car and go to that movie theater and watch this. I'm going to get the popcorn. I'm going to smell it as soon as I walk through those doors. I'm going to see the blinking lights of all this thing. And I'm going to be in a crowd of other people who are really excited to see this movie because it's opening weekend. And we're all going to have this communal experience. It's going to be awesome. I watched the movie, and it's pretty good. But I remember, this is like the day I learned this lesson. I walked out of there, and I'm like, yeah, but it's like over now. And I still have to go to school tomorrow or next week. And, and it didn't really like care. It, it got me through a few things, but in the end, and if I'm honest, it actually didn't live up to my expectations. It was kind of disappointing. It was good. It was still a little disappointing. I thought it would be better. I remember thinking, that is just the way things are on this earth. As awesome as awesome things are, you reach them and find out that they're never quite going to carry you through beyond a momentary joy. They're never going to quite live up to your expectations. So, so coping looked like me going to the movies. It could look like you putting your eyes forward to the next season to get you through the off season because, man, you just love football. It means you just get through the week by looking forward to the weekend, but eventually Monday comes around, does it not? It means I get through being a kid by looking forward to the moment I get my driver's license so I can have freedom. But then mom says, I need you to do some errands for me. Ah, I don't have freedom. It means you looking forward to the day you get to move out. It, it means the day that you look forward to getting the bills after you move out. Nope, you don't look forward to that because you don't realize it's coming around that corner. I look forward to the album of my favorite artists where they would just release it. And we had lots of conversations about Drake postponing his album 1,800 times before he finally dropped that thing. And was, I mean, I don't know. But our anticipation was up. We thought it was going to release this date, then this date, then this date. 
It looks like the new heiress tour with Taylor Swift, except you're just waitlisted and you can't actually go to it. Well, thanks, Netflix, for dropping it for us. It looks like you getting through the quarter because you're looking forward to a nice vacation. That you get through school because you're looking forward to summer break. That you get through this next bill cycle because you know your next paycheck is coming. I get through the next week by looking forward to Christmas break. Anyone else doing this right now? We have a countdown in our house. Six more sleeps, one of the teachers says, and they come home like seven more sleeps, six more sleeps, five more sleeps. I'm going to hear it all week. We look forward to something to get us through the bad moments or even just the monotony of life so that we look forward to the next thing in this endless cycle. The problem is that they're all temporary. They all can't match the, the uh, expectations that they have, and they never quite overwhelm the seasons of lows that we might have. So first, we have to understand this earth will not satisfy us. You can't even get past it if you don't realize that I'm glad that I saw it in that movie and I've been able to make that connection and you grow in that because you just think, well, if I could just have this thing, then I'll be happy. Well, if I could just have this other thing, then I'll be happy. Eventually you realize nothing is going to satisfy you. And so we look for something else that we can embrace. The thing is that it takes work. True deep joy as a posture that is cultivated in us is an approach to life, but we have to reprogram ourselves. We have to understand that God is not temporary, so God is not going to disappoint. We have to understand that we recognize the sheer weight of God's grace and mercy so that we can apply it when we realize shame or guilt or we're overcome by sin and we go, but God's grace is there, but God's grace is there. It looks like us seeing and understanding and embracing God's presence in every situation so that when we walk through that season of difficulty, we know he is there with us. That's how you apply that. It's like God's value uh, is so built up in your mind, so far above and beyond anything else, that anything good doesn't even stand a chance against him. It actually overshadows him through the seasons of good and through the seasons of bad. Whatever competes for your affections and attention but we have to get our minds right with understanding that. God loves us so much to the extent that we have to understand that wherever our hope and our identity rest, it will be profoundly disappointed if it's not in God, if it's not in Jesus Christ. And so that takes discipline. That takes us rewiring our thinking. To go towards God instinctively requires time of taking your hands off of this, letting go of these things of this world, and wrapping them tightly around God and the, and the handles that he gives us in the midst. So it looks like letting go of those coping mechanisms, allowing yourself to be disappointed with them so that you can really internalize the idea that's not like God, though. He's not going to disappoint. So it's this process, right? It's this process of tethering ourselves, anchoring ourselves to all that God has to offer so that everything else seems like trash in light of all of who he is. And the result is that it frees us up to enjoy those smaller things. Not because in and of themselves they're great, but because the giver of good things has handed them to you. So you worship God through those moments. Man, God, thank you for the creativity of humans who, who, who built, directed, and put on this movie so that I could enjoy it because they couldn't have done it without you. They're just using the skills and gifts that they have. 
Thank you, God, for beautiful places that we get to visit and enjoy and sit by the ocean and be excited about the waves coming in and out. This vacation is nice, it's temporary, but ultimately, may it point you back to God. And so we're freed up to enjoy these smaller things, the temporary things, because they are just a gift from the giver, but they don't challenge, they can't challenge what is enthroned in our hearts. They can't challenge God for what is ultimate in our lives, for what we put our hope in. And so this is where I want us to land. This Advent season, I want you to see joy as both a celebration and as a posture as you move towards life, to cultivate that in you, to know that you can get through this difficult season because you have God, to know that this awesome gift is great, but it's ultimately from God. So you turn it into a rejoicing in who God is as opposed to what this thing is in front of you. It's a taste of heaven. It's just a glimpse. Taste and see that he is good, and you taste of his goodness on earth now, but ultimately the hope is always that it overflows into the world around you. Has the ability that when you respond, because you have so anchored yourself in Christ, so tethered yourself to Jesus himself, that when things get dark, someone says, how do you maintain through this? I could introduce you to him. How come you don't mourn as others do, as those without hope? Well, because I I do have a hope. His name is Jesus. How come you seem to approach things with this kind of optimism that others don't? Well, because I live for a good God and his good creation, and so there's plenty to be optimistic about when God is in the midst of it. So your answer is because my joy isn't anchored into the world. It is anchored in Christ and Christ alone. People will see it on you. People will see it on you. Now, before we pray, this is what I want us to do, and it's going to be a little bit of a stretch. Um, uh, we have this, um, this tradition that we've kind of introduced a while that when people step out of positions and they've done well, we clap them in, we get excited for them. And so this is what I, I want us to do, is I want to lift that up to God. Now, now some of you are like, ah, oh, that's going to be weird because you don't see him. That's going to be kind of weird because I'm not used to that step out of my comfort. But look, like if you whistle at a sporting event, usually this is where I step in and say, you guys get the point, I'm not gonna make you do it. Just rest easy. I want us to do it. I want us to actually celebrate like we're excited for the advent of Christ. I want us to clap and to use our body. We warmed ourselves up using a a liturgical practice of the body as she led us, but now it's a point to say, man, like some of you go full like Top Gun, aha, right? Anyone? So I want to hear an aha. I want to hear a whistle. I want to hear a clap. And I don't mind if the neighbors call me on this one. If they hear us and leave a message, I can tell them. It's because we're anchored in something to celebrate. We're anchored in a joy that doesn't fade. And so we're going to have joy towards something exciting, good, fun, etc., that we can be a witness for here in our midst, okay? So I'm going to have the band come up just to give a little bit of music behind us. I'm trying to lighten it a little bit, right? But here, here, if you feel uncomfortable with this, I told you already, sometimes it's a discipline. Did you know that there's studies that if you stand like this with confidence in a mirror, you actually, for like eight seconds or something like that, you will actually walk through life with a little bit more confidence because it it uses endorphins and and different chemicals in your body to help you feel more confident. Did you know that George 
Clinton was famously, famously penned these words, feet don't fail me now, here's a chance to dance our way out of our constrictions. And so push through that tendency not to want to do these things. This is where we discipline our body in hopes that it becomes normal, in hopes that we eventually do spontaneous think about God in the middle of your workday and you say, geez, God, you're amazing. Have you had that moment where you saw, Mike, you made that sunset? And I'm just driving over this hill right now to see that sunset. And you pull over because your spontaneous reaction is tears. That moment that you understand is we're reading the scriptures because God revealed himself that on a hill in the middle of this field, these shepherds saw heaven open up, blast forth with these giant eyeball looking creatures screaming out glory to God in the highest. And so I just want us to stand up and do that a little bit. Are you all ready? You're like, oh man, he's going to make us do this. All right, we're going to do this. All right. I almost want to go on your mark, get set, go, but that's weird too. So, so glory to God in the highest. Faith and goodwill towards men. We celebrate you, Jesus. We say hallelujah. It's a name above all names. Wonderful counselor. Prince of peace. overwhelms the good and the bad because he outshines everything. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Stay standing. Stay standing just as we 